Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to my podcast. This is Q&A number 78 for my Facebook virtual coaching group. It's February 8th, 2022, and a special shout out to my mama. It's your birthday today. I will be calling you today in California time, three hours difference. Happy birthday, mama. So anyways, I'd also like to welcome some new members uh, Pamela, Beverly, Olivia, Devin, Raylan, and Aniston, all in Florida. Welcome to the Team TLC Virtual Coaching Group. Uh, we I did the January Personal Best Drawing, and the winner was Nancy in Georgia. And Nancy's prize, she chose the TLC Record Keeper and Training Notebook. Nancy had a wonderful start to January. Uh, she had Personal Best Time in the 1D on Earl. Um, and the 2D on Toot uh, at the uh, Sopano Memorial Barrel Race in Ocala, Florida. So every time she's been running at PAC, I mean at the uh, Ocala uh, Fairgrounds, there, I'm mean not Fairgrounds, Ocala Livestock Pavilion, her horses are getting better and better. She did catch Barrel on Earl, but her times were the fastest she'd run. But the personal best actually went to her horse Toot for having her best time. So she's been running 1D and 2D at Super Shows on Earl and 2D and 3D on Toot. And um, I'm just really proud of you, Nancy. And I wanted to say, Nancy, you're the type of person that I see you being a tough 1D competitor uh, just don't get discouraged. I know it's hard, but you know how to come back from difficulties. You've been through difficulties with your health and some mistakes that were made with doctors and such. And you know better than anybody how life can suck sometimes and how you can come back from it. So even right now, you know, being if you get sick or the weather is not cooperating or whatever, whatever everybody's dealing with, I just want to say, don't quit, just keep trying. And even though there's going to be runs that aren't great, there's going to be great runs after that. So that's just the way barrel racing is. And you're at that level now where you just have fine tuning of looking at your pictures and videos and saying, okay, adjust this, adjust that. And, um, Every barrel racer out there has to work on their timing and position with speed and competition. So you've got to be smart in your program at home with your conditioning and tuning and keeping those horses happy mentally and physically healthy. And then you just have to really just trust that training and relationship you have with your horse and just let it rip tater chip on the competition weekends. So congratulations, Nancy. So proud of you. And you're doing awesome with your two horses. Uh, let's see here. Challenges for last week, I told you just to hang out in your horse's stall or pasture and bond with them. See how, you, if you sit in a chair, how they interact with you. Do they want to be petted? Do they just stand near you? Do they just stay away from you? Just kind of really get to know your horses. Um, a rainy day is a great day for that. Uh, the other thing was leg laterals and circles and straight lines, uh, to do that as a challenge last week. Um, leg laterals are done by the, uh, inside leg by the front cinch. So if you want to go right, left leg, if you want to go left, right leg, and you can do that in straight lines, like a giant X through your arena, like you're doing a, a dressage pee off, but on a much more elementary level. Or you can do it in circles, like in spirals, and let them move away from your leg as your circle gets bigger, um, and things like that. So that's really good. This week, I'm going to have you do one-handed drills and have you listen to one of my mental um, podcasts, uh, mental motivation podcasts. So 
Um, I think that'll be great for this week. We can't have enough of both of those. The one-handed drills really get us focused on riding more with our eyes and our body and our legs and less with our hands. It also teaches us to keep our rhythm for give and take. And, um, and it just, it's a really important aspect of riding. Um, some people will struggle with how to rate a horse one-handed. So remember, you're only one hand off center of your reins. Unless you have a rubbernecker, then you may be on the middle of your reins. But when you want them to go forward, your hand just gets in the drive position, in the go position. When you need the rate, just bring your hand straight back towards your saddle horn. And when you need the flexion, just twist your wrists under or bring your hand up and back an inch or just up an inch depending on if they're free running or push horse um lazy or go horse so uh so that's that and there'll be videos in the group to show that i also did a video on winda uh, wpra nfr rider winda she's been to the nfr twice i think or maybe I might be off on that one, but she went to the NFR last year with only, I think, 25 rodeos, and her and Mac just set the arena record at the Fort Worth um, Rodeo with a 16.17. I believe Jordan and Rolo were a 16.2 behind them, and she rode one-handed through the entire pattern. So I did a slow motion review in the group just for your eyes only because I don't have rights to that video. But I wanted to put it in slow motion at the request of Peggy in Tennessee. Um, she wanted to see how they rode. And, you know, there are a lot of open and rodeo horses that can be ridden one-handed through the entire pattern. My, my mares were like that. You could definitely ride them one-handed, especially from second to third. Obviously, you're switching your hands from... Uh, first to second. I generally like to ride two hands from the alleyway to my arc and then go to the horn because I want that's your money barrel. I don't want to miss my spots. Now, colts are free runners. Two hands is important because they need, you know, to help with keeping the line or keep getting their rate and setting them on their butt a little bit. So you'll see your futurity, top futurity trainers ride two-handed more, and you'll see your top NFR rodeo people ride one-handed more. But that's just a difference of where the, the horse is in their training. Some need help, some don't. And that's just a process of, of going from your futurity years to your open years. So, And they can change over time as well. And that's why training one-handed helps, because if you plan to compete one hand around the barrels, which you should, um, you should train that way as well. So, um, and then of course you can always do two hands between, uh, let's see here. I'm going to do a couple things in the group this week. Um, I'm going to recommend a D pattern, but not with a barrel and it's slightly different. Um, I'm going to try to get a video this week if it stops raining. My arena is flooded right now, but it's going to be a D pattern with a rollback. Um, so you do the letter D, you stop, roll back towards the fence, do the letter D on the left side, and then stop, roll back uh, to the right, and you just continue with that. And what it's going to do is teach flexion, fluidity on as you're doing the letter D. It's going to teach straight lines as you come in for a loose rein woe, and then you're going to elevate and roll over those hocks, hopefully following their nose and setting that pivot foot. So what you're going to develop is a horse using their hindquarters, looking for the woe, also um, getting them light on that front end, all the things you'd want in a barrel turn. So um, so it's a fun drill. It's a nice dry work drill away from the barrels or poles. So if you have horses that don't need to see a barrel or pole or just you're working on your foundation with your young horses, it's great for that. 
I haven't decided anything else yet for the week, but I think I'll put that in there for tomorrow. So let's see here. We had some shout outs this week. Um, I did about 20 slow play review videos, and I think I have about three more to do today. Uh, if uh, anybody has not heard from me in 24 to 48 hours, there's a good chance I did not get your video because you know how Wi-Fi signals are. Either you or me, we live in the country, and every once in a while, they don't work. So videos sometimes don't come through. So if you have not heard from me within two days, send the video again or, or just shoot me a message and say, hey, did you get my video? And I'll make sure to get it. And every once in a while, I'm just real busy and I'll miss a message here or there. So uh, anyhow, I just wanted to say congratulations, though, because there was really some nice work. Um, Jalen and Jaxie, you're working on finishing those turns. Desi and Jolene, you're working on one-handed in your turns. Uh, Beverly and Lightning, you're working on lighter hands. You went to an S-hack out of a snaffle. Athena and Corona's back in the saddle again, working on all lefts, all rights. Um, uh, see Gigi's buying a new horse that's exciting um, so I looked at those videos with you um, Pamela and Cowboy doing great practice um, let's see Caitlin and Goose making progress uh, let's see her Pamela and Cowboy are new to the group and they already shaved off one second in a week just working on finishing their turns better and slow work so that's awesome Avery and Montana entered their very first show ever and won a blue blue ribbon first place. Um, I definitely want you to be smooth as Faso because Montana has talent and she definitely will be nice for you. Callie, Kaylee Ann and Jesse, I call her Callie sometimes, so Kaylee Ann and Jesse uh, did amazing at River Ranch Rodeo and Tour Champions Okeechobee, ran in the 2D Open and the 1D Youth. Uh, let's see. Olivia and Dallas are working on rate in competition. Let's see who else. Uh, Teresa and Hope had a couple nice runs. Uh, Lisa won 3D money at a barrel race with about 60 some riders. So that's awesome. Uh, Vanessa and Skeeter went to their very first barrel race in two years. The first run, they kind of got the nerves out, out, of, out of their system and cut off a whole second for the second run. And that was a two-day super show in Okeechobee to her champions. She ran two horses two days, so nothing like getting into it full blast. Um, let's see here. And Vanessa and Hunter are working on some stuff. So everybody's doing great. Um, and if anybody has, if you didn't hear your name, I probably didn't get your video. So go ahead and please send it over to me. Um, like I said, I've done about 20 or so already from the weekend and it's Tuesday. So let's see the personal best drawing. I'd like to start that list right now. I put Vanessa and Skeeter on there and Kaylee Ann and Jesse. If anybody had a personal best so far for February, please tell me when you send me your videos and I'll add you to the drawing for February for prizes. And, um, Let's get right into the Q&A. And also the topic for today is going to be out of my TLC training notebook, chapter five, page 26, special drills to improve your performance and your foundation. So the first question I had was conditioning the open horse. I actually did a short video on it. But um, some people like to pony their open horses. Some people like to just lunge them or put them on the hot walker. I think all oh, that's great if you have a hot walker or if you if you have a horse that's maybe older and you think ponying them is easier on them or lunging them is easier on them. But I honestly love, um, I, I do feel like you should spend three to four days a week exercising them. You know, three if you're competing once on the weekend and four if you're not. 
Um, so every other day is great, 30 to 40 minutes. Um, I do like to get in the saddle. Uh, I do like to get in the saddle with them because the, um, I feel like the bonding and the connection is there. So I'll spend that first 10 minutes just walking them. It can be in the pasture, the arena, the trail, and just loose rein walk and just bond with them. I might for five minutes do some face flexing left, right, and down laterally and vertically breaking the pole. And then I might do some trotting. I might do, if it's a hotter horse, I might do sit jog and do collection and keep their mind about them. If it's a more laid back horse, I might post trot first and then do some sit jog um, transitions and mostly straight work on that older open horse, not a lot of circles. Um, and then when I do decide to do a circle, I might just lope three circles each way in a really big circle. Um, and that's pretty much all. I, and then I'll do a cool down or walking for 10 more minutes. Now, once a week, I might add a, a drill. I might do single barrel um, where I'm doing a 100-foot circle into like a 20-foot circle. And the reason I do that at a post-trot sit jog or an extended canter collect a low is because it gets those muscles that they use to contract um, for those tight turns. It keeps them in shape. Um, but also, you can do your post-trotting to keep their wind and lungs and all of that. And again, mostly straight work on your older horses. And you can mix it up from grass and sand or clay. Um, cross training is always good. Be careful in the deep sand. You don't need but a few minutes in deep sand. And be sure you warmed up before you do anything hard in deep sand. If you overdo things in deep sand, you can tear a tendon or ligament easy. So be careful of your... Um, be careful of that. That's for sure. And then um, let's see what else. The, uh, um, we have here, uh, I'm just trying to read my notes, make sure I didn't forget anything. So that's how I do it. I'll do one day, maybe just a trail or pasture ride. And that's how I would do my warm up, cool down and, and the middle stuff. One day I might do a drill. And even when I'm coming in or finishing up something, I might walk the pattern once that week or trot to the barrel, walk around it just to show them where I want them. So they remember this is your arc. These are your spots in the body position you should have around the barrel. And we're in sync together. And then I just trust them on the weekends. So that's really all open horse needs. Your novice horse or young horse or training horse is probably going to need five days a week and more time in the arena, more time on dry work drills and the barrel pattern. And, you know, that's just because they learn from repetition and consistency and they're still learning how to place their feet and balance and body collection and all of that. So um, the second question was about finishing your turns. So I did a couple um, slow motion coach coaches reviews on that. And then um, finish over finishing the turns um, is something you can do just walking the barrel pattern. It's, and I did a video tip on that in the group as well. You can do it two different ways. You can do it with transitions or doing it twice around the barrel. So what I would do is I'd go to my normal arc, a five-foot spot one, a five-foot spot two, but a three-foot spot three on the exit. And then I would go immediately leaving first, move right over to a five-foot pocket. The first stride out, you put your weight in your right stirrup. If your first barrel is the right turn, put your weight in your outside stirrup and put your left leg on them and move them over. Immediately the first stride out of the turn. And then you're set up for a perfect five-foot pocket going into second. And I'd keep a five-foot pocket at spot one and two, the entrance in the back side. Then I'd finish tight a three-foot pocket. And then I'd immediately 
over finish the first stride out, I put that outside leg on them, my right leg, and get them over where their tails got the barrel right behind it. And it looks like you're going to go straight at the third barrel and then gradually drift out, out two or three strides from uh, third, or third barrel out to a five foot spot one, five foot spot two and finish three feet. And then again, over finish third by having the tail right behind that barrel again, or even go back to the fence, but really over finish, but also over finish from your, your soft guiding hand. Do not pull on your rein, use your inside hip and shoulder and your outside leg. And that's, what's going to get those horses finishing those turns. Um, anyway, so go ahead and do that. Um, the next question, or this is more of a comment. I don't know if anybody's been watching the Olympics this week, but a lot of them are saying, you know, I'm not going to stress out. I, I made it here. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to enjoy it so that when I do look back, it was a great experience. I didn't spend it stressed out the whole time. Yes, I want to win gold. I'm here to win gold. I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to try to do my best, but I'm also going to enjoy it. And I've heard that from several several athletes and several different um events. And I think that's wonderful advice for everyone because I think we can get so caught up in in competing and winning and doing well that we forget to just enjoy our horse and enjoy being there in the moment and our family and our friends and and just the memory so that when we look back we see it as a positive time. And also because when you're more relaxed and having fun, it your whole body is more confident and relaxed as well rather than if you're being negative and uptight and pressuring yourself. So always keep that in mind. I just thought the Olympics was a good example of, of a strong mindset, a positive and strong mindset, um, and keeping things in perspective. You know, if you guys weren't competitive, you wouldn't barrel race, you just trail ride. But you are competitive. But you also do this because it's supposed to be fun for you, because you enjoy the adrenaline of a speed and timed event. So keep that perspective. So uh, the next question was about drills for shouldering barrels. Um, in and outs is really important for that. Um, all lefts and all rights would be great for that. And circles and true turns are also really good. Some of these really stiff, really shouldering horses, you want to use your weight in your outside stirrup and use quick bumps with your inside hand and leg. Bump, bump, bump. So you keep that nose in, that shoulder up, that rib soft to the outside, and that hip will stay in and pivot foot a stander. But the quick bumps of shape and drive, shape and drive will keep that four-wheel drive. And always keep at least a five-foot circle or five foot pocket going around. And if they stiffen on the exit or roll back on the exit and catch barrels leaving, you can also um, keep them flexing at the exit as well. Not just spot one and two, but spot three as well. So um, in and outs, all lefts and all rights and circles and true turns are great for the horse's shoulders. And you may want to look at your bit, get them in something that is a little bit of a lifter or a bending bit, something that slides a little, that adds bend to a horse. Uh, even just a side pull like an S-hack or something is fine too. Um, it's all about the give and take, the bump and the release. Um, if you hold or pull, and God forbid, do not pull on that outside rein. That just makes things worse and they'll counter arc. So it's got to all come from your um, inside hand and leg and looking at a bigger circle between their ears or their outside ear and waiting that outside stirrup. Next question was about a bit for a sensitive mouth horse. Um, you may want to just try the S hack. I find a lot of horses that are sensitive in the mouth really love a little side pull. Um, so that's always an option. Uh, otherwise, just something smooth, 
um, not uh, twisted, something um, with no leverage. So maybe an O-ring, smooth, two-piece, three-piece. Um, you'll just have to play around with it. They, you know, every horse is different. But when I have one that's really sensitive in the mouth, I just love my S-hack or my beetle hack side pulls. Uh, next question, um, bucking or bulking when you're riding them. Uh, it, and this person told me they hadn't been riding much. It was cold out. They had the vet check the horse. It's not in pain. And it's a young, young, a teen girl that has the horse. So my thing is I'm thinking respect. This horse is just full of their self and they're just being disrespectful and seeing what they can get away with because that's what they do. And some geldings are more playful and ornery that way. So if that's the case, do groundwork before you get on. As a matter of fact, lunge your horse for three days if you have to. With my bad hip, I don't get on Rocky or Briscoe without lunging them five minutes each direction just to make sure they're not being cinchy or cold-backed and their brain is thinking and not reactive because my hip can't take goofballs anymore, goofy horses. So so definitely lunge for respect, left, right, forward, backwards, stopping, facing you, the speed you want when you say. You're not doing death by lunging where you let them lope out of control, stupid, bucking and acting foolish for 30 minutes, but you're changing directions a lot. Maybe do one circle, stop right, one circle, stop left. Keep their focus on you. You know, let their heart rate get up a little bit. Let their lungs tell their brains, hey, be good, but... um. But as far as the groundwork goes, um, you have to you have to get their attention and at least be working them three times a week. If you're not, don't expect them to be good and absolutely do groundwork before you get on. So um, also do groundwork anytime you put on a different saddle or a cinch or leg boots or anytime you change something on a horse, lunge them at a walk, trot and lope and make sure their brain is in the thinking side of their brain and not the reactive flight mode. Okay. That's important too. So question, um, my horse stiffens and, um, and stop behind the barrel. So I asked to see the video. Um, and she also mentioned she practices riding on her outside hip into the first barrel. Um, and uses her give and take with her inside hand and leg. But then in the video, you could see she locked down on her inside hip going into the spot one and got real bracy with her hand. And that's why the horse did that. So if you practice outside hip to spot one and two, and you only go to your inside hip at spot three, which you should be doing, by the way, that's why um, it's important to be, you know, uh, fit. And that's why this wear and tear of my left hip is making my left turns extremely challenging. So um, you definitely want to be sitting in the middle of your horse. I'm not saying leaning because that kind of freaks people out. They're like, wait a minute, you want weight in my outside stirrup and my horse turns super hard to the inside. I'm going to fall off, but I'm not saying lean. I'm just saying sit in the middle of your horse. You just have a hair more weight on your outside stirrup or outside hip that keeps your line straight, keeps your horse soft so that when you do put a little inside leg on them at spot one and two, and you're bumping hand and leg, you have a nice round feel to your horse. Or if you even just leave them alone by having your weight in your outside stirrup, it keeps that circle going from spot one to two. And then as soon as they feel you shift a little bit more to your inside shoulder and hip, they're going to snap out, leave tight and straight. And then if they don't, you can always add your outside leg by the front cinch as well. Um, I also like to smooch at my horses at the backside to the exit to get that drive out. So, um, so anyways, that's 
So practice, um, compete as you practice. You know, I know that's hard, especially if we mentally get upset. So, you, you know, you have to really pay attention that if you're, Practice is going good and competition isn't. You must be doing something different. You're either riding more stiff or nervous or you're changing your cues. Um, there's a lot of things that could be causing it, but that's why I need to see those videos. So um, the next thing is programs. Um, uh, someone asked me about going to a clinic of a certain person. And here's the thing. I feel like you can go and learn from anybody and everybody. But here's my deal. If you are already in a really good place and you and your horse are doing really well, don't make changes. It can really get your horse and you frustrated if you start making lots of changes. And even when you're learning, if you're changing things all the time, a horse gets really frustrated with that. So while I do think it's important to keep learning, I do think you need to know what kind of style you want to be and who you want to follow and ride behind. If I see that this trainer always has everything in a, you know, wire tie down and a huge bit, um, or they, you know, are kicking a horse in a shoulder to finish a turn, or they're, um, you know, really pulling on them with their hands in the turn, or, or they ride really wild, I'm not going to want to ride behind that person. If I see a rider has really soft hands and a quiet seat, and their horses work off body, and their horses look like they're doing the pattern effortless on their own, that's the person I want to ride behind. And they're not bridled up in some medieval equipment. Um, those are the kind of people that I'd rather ride behind. But you have to decide what style, what program. And I've ridden behind many trainers. People send me their colts to start on the pattern. And someone else has done the basics. And I can tell you who I like to ride behind and who I don't. Um, based on the foundation they put on the horns. And it's the same with the barrel pattern. You, you know, you have to know who you, what style you like to ride behind. So if something's working, just leave it alone. If they're running in the 1D or 2D and they're happy, you know what? You're just got to do that, that critiquing of like the little things, your pictures, your videos, and just week to week, your position, your timing. Don't go changing a lot of stuff with clinics and programs. But if you are just starting and you're wanting to learn as much as you can, go learn. You don't have to do what they say. You can take what you like and leave what you don't. And, and um, whatever, that's just all I have to say on that. Um, so the next question was about mental game. Um, their nerves are causing them to blank out, go into that first barrel. All I can tell you is um, that's a skill, just like anything else that you have to learn in barrel racing. I, I think about my kids, my youth riders. If I say to my kids, what are you thinking about before they run? Or what do you think about after their run? They're going to say, nothing. Because kids don't overthink it. You ask a woman, what are you thinking about? Or what did you think about? Oh, I thought about this, 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 this. And they'll name off five or six things. Adults overthink. Kids don't think too much about it. They just get out there and ride. They might be thinking, go to my spots and just be in the moment. And that's about all a kid does is just they're in the moment, riding to their spots. Um, you know, that's why I think that the mental game on kids is different than the adults. So, the, uh, the, um, for me, when I found myself getting nervous, what worked is I sing, I sing Amarillo by morning, that song, as soon as I sing it, my horses get more relaxed, I get more relaxed, it's just our, our relaxing thing, I'll sing it when I'm warming up, I'll sing it to myself in the holding pen, I'll sing it in my head as I'm going to the alleyway, 
Um, you know, I pet my horses on my butt, ride one-handed to the alleyway. I may whisper it out loud and just Amarillo by morning, just nice and quiet. You know, it just something about that song settles me and settles my horses. So um, you just have to find a routine that works for you. You know, make sure you're breathing. Exhale a lot. Deep breaths. Exhale. That really helps. And just don't overthink it. You know, trust that training and have a good time with it. Okay, the next thing was about super shows and alley issues. Um, in this one, you really got to gate. You got to gate a lot. You know, go to the $20 back jackpot and gate. Um, because this is a skill as well. The horse might be working off your nerves. If you've already ruled out pain, ulcers, bleeding, soreness, whatever saddle fit, and you are you know it's a training thing, it could be respect, it could be nerves, it could be pressure. And it could just be you guys need to get your nerves under control. If that's the case, um, keep that horse guessing. Gate on every single drag. Give him a cookie. Pet him in the alleyway. So then when it is time to run, you know, gate him before you run. Gate him after you run. They won't know if they're going up there to run or not. And ride one-handed up there. Stay relaxed. Score them. The more you gate, the better they'll do. You can definitely do calming aids like essential oils or herbs or whatever. And that can help, but sometimes you just got to work on you and your horse, staying relaxed and learning to handle the adversity of the super show atmosphere, or the rodeo atmosphere. It's, you know, it's different than your outdoor jackpots. They're not as loud, not as much going on as your buildings and such. So, so gate and gate some more. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about special drills to improve your foundation and performance. Again, in my book, it's right from chapter five, and um, and I think this is a, a really important topic. Um, everything I teach should be done first at a walk. Um, don't go to a trot or a lope until you have mastered the first speed, um, and if things fall apart, slow back down and go back down. So I do like to be just in a light training bridle and maybe split reins, um, not my competition gear when I'm just doing drills. Split reins are nice because I can shorten them and do one-handed as well. Um, but you got to do whatever you're comfortable in. But I definitely think as light a bit as you can. I pull tie-downs off for my dry work and drills. I only put the tie-downs on for competition. Um, you know, if you have a tie down, most I, I'm I, of all my horses, I only had two that ran in tie downs, five that did not. So, um, you know, again, I, I just try to think of my slow work as my bending and suppling and responsive work, you know, and not being heavy equipment for that. So whether um, you're just starting out or your horses, if you or your horse are just starting, you'll probably want to do these things two handed in the beginning until they learn balance and how to carry themselves. But the advanced horse and the advanced rider, you can do everything one-handed or the advanced rider with a young horse because you have better timing one-handed. So one-handed would be, of course, your inside hand on the rein, inside of your circle. So left circles, left hand, right circles, right hand. So one of my favorite exercises is spirals. Um, I'll use this exercise. Uh, I'll have one barrel maybe and four cones. Um, and I may have my first circle going to be 5 foot to 10 foot, my second circle 15 to 20 foot, and then my third circle maybe 60, you know, 30 to 40 or 50, whatever, whatever space you have. And if it's a really green horse, you can go 20, 40, you know, 80 or whatever. You can just mix it up. But the idea is to teach uh, a horse collection. 
So um, a really advanced horse, you could do nose in, nose out on the large and the medium, but on the small, do just nose in laterally and shoulder up and out. Um, the idea of this is to teach a horse transitions, extension to collection with a really fluid motion, a nice cadence to it. So the large would be your extended post-trotter lope or fast walk. The medium would start to be a little bit more collected, um, a lope, a more collected lope, a slower lope, a, a post-trot possibly, I mean a sit jog instead of a post-trot, um, and then your small is always going to be collected, a, a slow walk, a slow jog, or a slow lope, and then you spiral back out. Again, you don't have to have a barrel or a pole, you can just have cones or you can just do it in your mind's eye, but I like a, a large, medium, small, back out to a medium, large. I always stop on the large. I never do more than one small or one medium. If they're not focused, you can do a couple large until they are. Um, if you have a horse that's in a hurry, go down to the medium and small and slow things down quickly because um, that will get them collection and slower, gets them more relaxed. Um, so again, this is a great drill um, for horses that you're trying to teach cadence or balance or a hot horse that needs to calm down, um, a horse that needs to learn to rate uh, or to uh, have speed control. It's really good for that. My second drill is pole bending. I like to have six poles and I like to set my poles 21 feet apart just like you would in competition. But instead of doing them like an X or... Um, you know, really stiff because remember when you add speed, things get tighter and stiffer. I use my pole bending to do huge serpentines. I like five foot, you know, three to five foot pockets. I like to go down the pole line extended to the fifth pole. I sit for rate. And then on the sixth pole, I ride it just like a barrel spot one, two, and three go in wide, come out tight. So five foot, five foot, three foot and slow work. And then I look three feet to five feet to the side of each pole and I put weight away from the pole that I want to move away from. So if I want to yield to the left, my weight's going to be in my left stirrup. And I'm going to use my right hand and leg to ask my horse to go left. And then when my leg gets to the next pole, they're squared up. Then I shift my weight to my right stirrup and I use my, uh, what, what is the opposite? Um, as, <laughs> so you get my point. When I want to go to the right, I'm going to use the left hand and leg, weight in the right stirrup. When I want to go to the left, um, I'm going to put my weight in my left stirrup and use my right hand and leg. So, but I'm looking for nose in, shoulder up and out and two tracking. So when I get in the middle of those two poles, that's the biggest part of my leg lateral that I want. So the front and back feet should be on separate tracks. And then again, as my horse gets next to the pole, I even up my hands and square up my legs, sit in the middle of my horse so they're square. If they're in a hurry, I might do a two hand check there and collect them. And then I'll go back to my lateral cues in the middle of the poles again or as soon as my leg clears the pole. And you can do this at a walk, a post-trot sit jog, and even a slow lope. It teaches horses. It gives a, a free runner rate and collection. It's a nice change of pace for a barrel horse, and it teaches young horses to move off of your legs. So again, if I was going faster, I'd do it as an X, but when I'm doing slow work, I like to do it like an S, like a serpentine. Uh, more like a snake movement, so I have more leg laterals and two tracking. It's also great for teaching lead departures and setting them up for a really pretty left or right turn because the nose is in, the shoulders up and out, the ribs are out, and their hip is in and the pivot foot's under, which would set you up for a nice left lead or left turn or a right lead and right turn. So that's great too. 
Uh, the next exercise I love is the D pattern. You can do it without a barrel and just do a D and then stop and roll back and go the other way, a D and then stop and roll back and go the other way, and you do it a walk, trot, lope. Or you can do it with a barrel and do it as a big D, little D. So on the big D, you might do two hands and then start to rate as you come in on the straight part of the D and then go to the horn and go one-handed around the barrel and to maybe... I wouldn't go under 10 foot, maybe five to 10 feet away from the barrel for this drill, depending on the speed. If you're at a walk and a sit jog, five feet, maybe at a lope, you might be 10 feet off the barrel. Um, and you can make the D pattern as big as 60 feet, 80 feet, whatever you have room available. I wouldn't do smaller than that. You, The point is to make it easy on them as they're learning. So, but I love the D pattern. It will take anticipation out of the push horse by going to their hip to the barrel before they turn. It will put rate in the free runner by really slowing down from the corner cone to the barrel and getting that collection rate. Um, it also teaches riders how to keep rate straight and only go to the horn once your leg is at the barrel and you're ready to start your turn. Um, and it also teaches the extension collection for the go rate and turn cues that you would use in competition. So, Again, this one will tattle on you if you are riding with too much rain in competition, if you can't do the D pattern one-handed. On the advanced people, I would do the advanced riders and horses, I would do the entire D pattern one-handed left and right at a walk, trot, and a lope because that's really good to work off body and leg. And really, remember, your eyes, where you look is where you go. Single barrel is another one. I like this a little bit more than D pattern on babies because... It works like a 100-foot circle into like maybe a 20-foot circle. And um, you can still do the stop and the roll back or side pass or whatever you want on the big part when you change directions. But when you go around the barrel, you know, again, don't make it too small. Maybe five feet away from the barrel when you're walking and jogging and maybe 10 feet to 20 feet when you're loping. And then um, the 100 feet or 80 feet, whatever, on the big circle. Again, it teaches the extension, the collection, the balance, um, the go cue, the rate cue, the shaping or turning cue. And again, it works great if you want to do two hand, one hand. Um, it works on everything you would use in a barrel pattern, except it's not straight lines like the D pattern. It's a continuous circle, but it still is really important for foundation. And also, um, it's great for the open horse that needs to work on uh, flex and fluidity or cadence. Again, it's great for anticipation or for rates, just depending on what you're working on. So it's a great one. Um, the next one is hind end turns. So you're going to work squares or rectangles, depending on what your space is available. And you can do it by either stopping at each corner of your square and doing a quarter turn where you elevate the front end and just move them away from your outside leg. So if I'm going right, I'd use a little direct rein right hand and a little left leg by the front cinch and then I'd sit up and ride to the next corner sit down say whoa take my legs off and do a loose rein stop and then I'd elevate and do a hind, hind quarter turn and you're just doing a quarter turn till you've done a complete square or rectangle and then you'll do a 180 reverse and go the other way and so if you're going right you'll go left now and then you can also change those squares up. If you have a horse that's too bendy or they're not using their butt or they're not collecting, you can do squares and rectangles in transitions from a post trot to a sit jog, but you're doing them in squares where you're riding the front and back feet in the same tracks and you're keeping the head and the neck from not bending too much. And it's just more of a 
a balanced thing, riding the hind end more. And you can, again, do this with collection from a post trot to a sit jog, a canter. But it's just about keeping that horse standing up, staying more square rather than over bending and floating a shoulder or swinging a hip. So I like that drill too, especially if you have one that is, um, has a bad habit of overbending. I also like it on the barrel pattern. You can do squares on the barrel turn if you have one that anticipates or one that overbends. And you can half halt or stop every quarter turn or at each spot and work on that as well. I should have videos to everything I'm talking about in the group or on the members only website. One of my next favorite exercises is all lefts, all rights. This one, you just use the regular barrel pattern. <coughs> Excuse me. Set it up small if you're trying to work on rate. Set it up big if you want to work on a little bit more of getting your horse to move out and be a little bit more free. Um, and again, you'll work five foot circles minimum, and you'll do one and a half times around each barrel. So if your first barrel is your right barrel, I would start all rights on second barrel. I'd start with a five foot circle one and a half times around second, and then I'd go to third and then first. So all rights, and then I'd stop between first and second, roll back, and then I'd go to the first barrel, then the third, and then the second. And I would do all lefts that direction. So at a walk and a um, post trot between, sit jog around the barrel, Keep those about five feet. If you're loping, you can make them a little bigger if you need to. You can do five foot on the advanced horse, but you may only want to do 10 or 20 foot on a younger horse. And again, it's all about collection and extension, straight lines and perfect circles. Your track should be perfect and beautiful. Your circles should not look like eggs or oblongs or hectagons, but truly look like a circle, the same size all the way around. Um, my next exercise, number seven, is figure eights. You can do figure eights with a snap. You can do big ones, small ones. You can mix it up. You can do circles and then into a figure eight. It just depends on the individual horse and what you're trying to work on. I like figure eights because they work on the straight lines, but they also work on the softening and shaping. So by doing big one, big figure eight into a small figure eight, you're working on a go cue, a rate cue, and then also a shaping cue in your turns from spot one, two, and three. Um, you can also go from a post trot to a sit jog. You can go from uh, a lope and then do a simple transition in the middle and then change leads. So it's great for lead departures. It can teach a young horse leads. It can teach an older horse to calm down and pay attention. Um, it just teaches good form and it's just a break from the barrel pattern, but it's a great drill to work on all the things you want in a barrel horse. Straight lines, extension, collection, soft turns. Um, using their front and back end correctly. So that's a really nice drill as well. And again, all of these things I'm talking about in the book are in videos in the group or the members only page. <clears throat> the next one, exercise number nine, funnel barrels. This may be the one I don't have a video of, but I need to make one of. Um, but you would start if you have uh, two, four, six, six barrels, you would start with a small pattern, maybe only 40 feet apart for left and right, you know, for like a figure eight. And then the next one might be 80. And then the next one might be a hundred foot, but you need room for this. And I don't have it at my new arena. And I'll have to look and see if I have funnel barrels set up at my old arena. Um, but anyways, you can do it uh, different ways. You can do funnel barrels as figure eights. 
You can do it all lefts, all rights. But the fun part is you're starting with a small pattern, going to a big pattern, and it just keeps the horse paying attention to you. Um, it's great if you have a horse at shoulders or is thinking that rate and turn happens at the same time or one that maybe wants to swing their hind in or gets um, strung out. It's also great for teaching rate um, or perfect circles. And again, it's all in how that you do it. And it gets the horse focused on you rather than just a barrel pattern and keeps them, you know, guessing what, what is she going to ask me to do? Is she going to have me circle a figure eight? What are we going to do? You know, is it the small one? Is it the big one? That kind of stuff. And then um, the next exercise is how to make your turn snappy. So um, this one is really important. You have to have perfect fluid circles in good form. You cannot, everybody who's ever come to lessons with me call them the Spangler circles because I have them do perfect circles a lot of times. We spend a lot of time on perfect circles at a walk, trot, and lope. Um, but the thing is, you want to have that four-wheel drive. You want to have that eye or nostril just slightly to the inside. You want to have that shoulder up, that rib out, um, that hip in, that pivot foot under, all with give and take pressure, all while maintaining four-wheel drive. And then if your horse starts to understand when you sit for rate and then um, it's easy into a turn, They'll understand when you're on your outside hip and you're sitting deep, that's rate. That's easy in. And then when you start to turn to spot two and then to spot three, they're going to start feeling you go and shift your shoulder and hip more to your inside shoulder and hip. They will know that means snap out and hurry out. And it's really just through consistency and a lot of these drills that I've just talked about that teach them this. So remember, in order to have snappy turns, you have to have a solid foundation on a horse. They have to understand what your outside hip means to them, what their inside hip means to them, your inside hip, what sitting deep on, you know, evenly in the saddle means, what sitting up in the saddle means. Um, all these things are super important. So I'm going to kind of end there now just because uh, I've been going 45 minutes now. It's a long podcast, but all of these have videos in there. So just pay attention. Um, these are always challenges in the group too. So um, try them. If anything sounded good to you, play with it, enjoy it, have fun with it. Um, housekeeping. Remember the members only website um, has over 150 videos there. So to, and they're organized by topic. So take advantage of it. Or in the group, you can type in the search box, um, D pattern or single barrel, and those will pop up for you. So I'm going to go ahead and, um, close now. And I'm going to say, um, I've noticed lately or last year or so, a lot of the students that I've trained and also, uh, where my clinic assistants are now doing lessons or training and they're doing great. And that makes me really, really happy. And, um, I can tell you this, that an education of 29 years that I've had with working almost now 1700 horses, that's a lifetime education. Um, and each, every single horse I ever worked with taught me things, okay? The horse is going to teach you more than anything. The more horses you can get on and ride and be around, the better. And the more you start to um, be able to explain things to the rider can make the horse and rider have a better life. So I guess what I'm trying to share with you is it makes me happy to be the trainer's trainer. It makes me happy to see my students go on and be successful in competition at the level they want to be or maybe have a career in horses doing lessons or training. Um, but also remember, some of you have had great runs lately and some of you have had a rough or a bad run. But remember to have a short memory when it comes to a bad run. Learn from it and let it go. 
but then always hang on to your great runs. Make those your highlight reels. Make those the best runs you've had be the ones that you remember and the ones that you try to repeat. So thank you for tuning in. And as always, ride with heart and God bless you all.